A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Luca, chuta, Luca! Dos tiempos, Hello everyone and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's our free podcast for all subscribers and all listeners. I'm your host Matt Clark. Delighted to be joined from Madrid by Rory Barlow. How are you Rory? Yeah, delighted to be with you, Matt. I'm uh, rather dry, it has to be said, in Madrid, which I'm sure we'll get on to later. Um, it, yeah, uh, interesting weather forecasting, which is uh, very very UK of us to start off with the weather. Well, let's continue straight on with it, shall we? Atleti against Sevilla <laughs> was set to be an intriguing game. Sevilla off the back of three straight defeats. Atleti off the back of a seven-goal hammering of Rayo Vallecano with you know the whole lightning bolts. But then... It appears that the rain put pay to their form. And uh, yeah, I'm sure Sevilla probably quite relieved about that to be able to have the international break just to settle down and restart. Atleti were keen to get going and we saw this pretty biblical forecast. It must be said, sitting here in the UK, I thought, wow, you guys are in for it. But it hasn't really materialised, has it? Yeah, they said it would be 200 millimetres over the space of kind of four to six hours, which... For reference, I think since records began, the largest that they had had was 87 um, in 1972. So, yeah, they expected it to be biblical. As you say, there was a red alert out. They said nobody should be leaving their houses um, or or using their cars if they could avoid it. You actually got a, a very loud and uh, quite startling alarm on your phone um, if you were in Madrid, which was, uh, yeah, t- took a few people by surprise. Um, but, uh, but, yes... Um, we had an hour of storms. They, it was quite heavy rain for that hour, and since then it's been pretty much spotlessly dry. It's uh, yeah, we. I, I was meant to be going to the Atleti game myself, and uh, a little bit confused as to why I didn't end up there. Well, uh, as you know, Rory, in the UK we just call that summer. So, <laughs> <laughs> bit of a change for uh, Madrileños. Uh, let's let's talk about the football that was played in Madrid yesterday. And, well, the Beatles are at it again. It's, it's hey Jude. It's, Jude Bellingham is rewriting all the narratives about impacts as signings, isn't he? I mean, you're honestly you're running out of words to say or to write. It's remarkable. Real Madrid took on Hitafe and they found themselves 1-0 behind to a Borja Mayoral goal. Um, it took them quite a while to get on level terms, but it was Hossolu, his first start, his first goal. 
And then you're thinking, okay, they're going to hold on for the point. But then 95th minute, Bellingham pops up and he's there again. Yeah, like you say, you're kind of running out of things to, to say about this. And it's almost just kind of a case of waiting until this inevitable kind of uh, kind of lowering of the standard comes from Bellingham because there's just no way he can keep this up. I mean, he's been the match winner in virtually every match. I mean, five, uh, four games, five goals. He is, I, I can't remember a start like this to a career, let alone a Real Madrid career where the pressure is generally on. The way that he's scoring these goals, I mean, ghosting in from kind of deeper lines, but also the finish that he got against Hitafe. It's a, I heard it on the radio it's saying it's a it's a goal from Raúl. Like it's it's a striker's goal. It's a poacher's finish. Um, and given they're missing Vinicius, given they're missing uh, Benzema, who's obviously left, it really is. It's auto. It's like it's gold for Real Madrid that he is coming up with these goals. Because to be perfectly honest, I mean, the 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 good side for Real Madrid is that Bellingham is coming in and doing this. But as I say, there's just no way that he can truly keep this up unless he plans on scoring 39, 40 goals this season um, in La Liga alone. And and yeah, without him, they'd be a little bit lost. So I think there's there's pros and cons for Ancelotti. Um, I think Hitafe did what Hitafe do. Um, and Real Madrid ultimately did find the answer. And, and that's the important thing. And you look at the comparison to Barcelona, very similar um similar kind of games almost and without the goals obviously for Barcelona but uh, but yeah late penalty doesn't get given for Barcelona Real Madrid come up with a late winner and, and these are the kind of things that make the difference in these title races so so yeah Los Blancos will be absolutely delighted mm. well you, you I do I detect a little hint of perhaps fear that Bellingham might just keep this going all season long and <laughs> is the difference in the title race um, of course no Vinicius in this game what did Carlo Ancelotti do differently and did it work? Yeah, look, I mean, he's using Hosselu and Rodrigo up front. I think Rodrigo is... Hosselu, I think, well, I mean, he gets his goal. So that's that's he's done his job. But Rodrigo is the one that really needs to step up this season regardless of if Vinicius comes back or not. I think the big change in this game, the one that ended up winning it for them, was the introduction of, of kind of Toni Kroos and, and Luka Modric eventually kind of later on. Those two give Real Madrid, certainly against deeper blocks, a kind of an aspect to their game, a kind of touch with the passes, uh, an ability to create tangles that, although the likes of Valverde, Chouamini and Camavinga are insanely good, they bring a lot of energy. You see against a team against Athletic, they basically overpowered them and and busted through this this Athletic team. But Athletic are going to play higher up the pitch. They're going to play kind of with more space in the midfield. Whereas against a Hatafe side like this, who had two centre-halves in midfield, it was peak border, border last, peak Bordaleta. Um, the likes of Modric and Kroos are going to be vital for those games. And so, so yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a kind of pro-per-game pro basis for Ancelotti as to how he works this midfield out. But up front, I've, I've still got questions, to be honest. Unless Rodrigo does step up and uh, score those kind of 25-30 goals this season. Um, I think it could cause real problems and, and Bellingham's form, as I was saying, yeah, great for now. Um, but it is a lot of pressure to be putting on him as well, although he does look like he can handle it, to be scoring all of these goals and getting all these winners. Mm. Horses for courses so far for Los Blancos. Now we have to talk about Getafe. Um, deadline day, they were the big story for, well, the wrong reason, I think it's fair to say. They pretty much out of nowhere signed Mason Greenwood from Manchester United on loan for the season, uh, giving him an opportunity which very few think he deserves. 
Rory, we've seen in, in England this summer, he's been in the headlines a lot. Um, Manchester United seemingly wanting to reintegrate him and then rowing back on that following a backlash. And now he's he's pitched up at the club team Alfonso Perez. Uh, I mean, there's, there's two strands, really. You're, you're talking nine days after Angel Torres uh, called out Luis Rubiales in strong terms. Hitafe, one of the first clubs to come out against the president there. Um, to, from that to this seems a complete completely hypocritical decision. So my question is, how does that fit together? And also, what's the reaction been in Spain? Yeah, it's uh, tone deaf to say the least. It, it really does kind of confuse you when Ankel Torres is making those statements. But again, I mean, I did have kind of replies on Twitter saying that, look, is this really a surprise? I mean, a, a lot of the way that this has been handled by the actual higher up people in the Federation they probably have a similar generation to the likes of Angel Torres and a, a similar generation to many of the people in charge at these clubs. So so is it a surprise? I mean, yes, because of Rubiales and because of how it dominated it. But if you'd said it kind of without the Rubiales scandal, then maybe not. Um, it's disappointing. I think it does make you really question kind of whether there is any sort of morality at the heart of these these football clubs basically and and it makes it really hard to kind of um, enjoy La Liga or, or I mean if Atafi go on and get results off the back of Greenwood schools it's going to be very hard to enjoy it I mean it, it, we, we both enjoy watching football we both enjoy uh, seeing kind of shocks and big results and Atafi have provided no shortage of them in recent years but if Greenwood's on the pitch for that no no draw against Barcelona it, it takes away for, for it for something for me at least in Spain, I think the reaction has been less grand and less muted. I think the Greenwood story has not been followed as closely as it has in England, obviously. Um, and I think less people are, frankly, aware of it. Um, mm. so, so, yeah, I don't think there's been a big backlash in Spain. The fans of Hatafe certainly didn't seem to uh, mind too much. Of course, we're speaking in generalisations. But, uh, but, yeah, it's a bit of a grim one, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, Spain quite hard to love sometimes but we do still love it yeah i think it, especially on the back of itafe releasing finally an english twitter account we're thinking you know thank god finally they've done it and then this happens only a few days later you have to view that with more cynical eyes so yeah we'll see how how this progresses um like you say if he comes in and scores goals the, you know the fans will will cheer it we will not but uh yeah it's hard to see anything good coming of this really um but uh it's happened so we have to, to talk about it and uh, we will continue to do so um so back onto the football the game <laughs> we've just finished watching Osasuna Barca uh it was in many ways a similar it was a similar result to last season the same result in fact 2-1 to Barca keeping the keeping tabs on uh, on Real Madrid there keeping on their heels two points behind they took the lead through Jules Gunde after a Pretty lively first half from Osasuna, it must be said. And then Chimi Avila scored a golazo to seemingly earn Osasuna a point. But then a late, potentially controversial penalty from Lewandowski uh, gave Barca that 2-1 win. Rory, what were your thoughts on the game overall? Yeah, I think Osasuna played very well. Let's uh, take into account that they rested a lot of players from their, their match against Brugge on, on Thursday. and Heartbreak. And yeah. Yeah, heartbreak, late heartbreak as well, kind of double double sucker punch. I think you can you can speak to that after after I've finished my answer, Matt. But um, 
But yes, like I think this was a good performance from Osasuna. They very much closed off the avenues of for advancing for Barcelona. Lemin Yamal, who we've seen not necessarily look unstoppable, but cause problems for every team he's faced so far, wasn't really involved in the game too much. I thought Barcelona looked reasonably dangerous at various points, but Osasuna kind of gave as good as they got. And that big Ter Stegen save from Maimara Roth was massive. And I think we're seeing a Barcelona that they're more willing to trade blows with teams as opposed to keep it tight and try and score one or two goals and, and kind of edge by. That, for me, is working so far, but I think they're going to need Lewandowski to be a lot sharper in the final third if they're going to continue with that. And I think the the way they look so open at the back until Ronald Araujo's back, it, it's hard to see them really fixing that too much. So I think there's stuff for Xavi to work on. As you say, keeping that gap to to two points to Real Madrid, I think that's the, the biggest thing. Um, and had they gone kind of four or five points behind them with just kind of four games gone into the international break, it would have been really quite disastrous for them. So, so yeah, decent performance from Osasuna who can hold their heads high. Barcelona get out of kind of a trip to the dentist with three points, which is probably what they want. Yeah, I thought Jules Koundé was, was particularly impressive defensively in the absence of Araujo and, of course, got that goal. Glancing the header off uh, the Gundogan corner. Uh, Gavi, no, he made his uh, 100th appearance for Barcelona, the youngest player to reach that feat. No, it wasn't Pedri. I thought it would be too, but it wasn't Pedri. It wasn't Ansu Fati. It was Gavi. And people often get like a, a little plaque or a shirt to commemorate this. Gavi got some staples in his ears. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Matt sent a picture of uh, Gavi's kind of staple stitching to uh, into the group and I thought that they were ear piercings originally when I looked at it. I had to, had to look a little closer but but yeah Gavi was excellent again and I think perhaps yeah he does get reduced a little bit to just kind of that gather that aggression that kind of pressing that kind of fight and that bite um, which is yeah unfair on him but it is so important to this Barcelona side and if you look at that midfield without him it looks so much light, so much more lightweight without it. Even though Gavi himself doesn't, uh, um, he isn't very heavy, but he does pack quite a punch. Um, and I think Gavi's performance, as much as that bite as well, one of the things that I have seen more of, if not an absolute kind of uh, landslide of kind of cutting teams open through the middle. I think Gavi, De Jong, Romeo, Gundogan, they are combining better through the middle than we've seen from Barcelona in quite a few months, which is the promising sign for Xavi and what ultimately they'll need going forward. Yeah, um, as you say, 10 points from 12, pretty good start overall given the uh, the context, but uh, obviously also to play for a long way to go. Uh, final salute to Osasuna then, they were so brave in Bruges on Thursday night, 2-0 up in the tie, they turned it round but then conceded two in the space of three minutes to, to fall back behind on the aggregate. And they gave it everything. And as we saw again on Sunday night, they gave it everything against Barca too. So hats off to Osasuna and to Alasate. They've given it 100% and they will continue to do so in every game they play this season because that is their DNA. So credit Osasuna. Let's move on to another side in the north of Spain, Real Sociedad. They had drawn their first three games of the season, but they turned up on Saturday and put five past Granada for their first win of the season. Um, Granada have goals in them because they scored three themselves, but Real Sociedad had too much for them here. Yeah, this is what it could be like for La Real if they could uh, put away their chances every week. I think it was it was an absolute kind of fiesta up in San Sebastián. It was really quite impressive. I mean, it was the Taque Kubo show. He's, 
he has started the season on fire, picked up right where he left off and we're slowly, I think, watching him become one of the stars of this league season if he wasn't already. I mean, he's really kind of carrying the fight for Lareal. I think they're still kind of adjusting to the loss of Sorlots. I mean, Andre Silva's still injured. Um, Carlos Fernandez, I don't think, quite gives them the same kind of character or, or drive up front. Um, and Umar Sadiq is obviously just kind of still easing himself back in a little bit. So, so yeah, with that in mind, I think, yeah, the presence of Kubo kind of really leading the charge is massive for them. Beautiful flick from Moyasabal. If they can get him back to kind of not full fitness, but back to the level he was at before his injury, that, again, could be a game-changer for them in the race for the top four in Granada. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've not been bad in any of their games either. They just can't really keep it out the other end. And I think finding mm. that balance between, uh, yeah, being a bit more solid but still kind of carrying that goal threat will ultimately prove uh, prove the pudding for them. They're a Paco Lopez team, quite clearly. <laughs> yes. You mentioned Solot. He's gone to Villarreal and isn't really having a great time of it because uh, they went ahead at Cadiz on Friday night. Of course, Villarreal in their red kit because there are actually three teams that play in yellow this season. It's going to be fantastic to see those away kits for a change. They went ahead in the first first 10 minutes. But then they uh, had a man sent off, Alfonso Pedrata, with a headbutt. Then Solot gets injured, and then they give away a penalty. Jorgensen continuing to uh, raise a few eyebrows as to why he's particularly their first-choice keeper. But uh, that's perhaps the discussion for later. And then, yeah, this became the Darwin Machis show, because uh, Cadiz put three past Villarreal and looked pretty comfortable. So some concern for, for Villarreal, I think, at this stage. Yeah, Kike Setien's got some some work to do, definitely. And I mentioned the dentistry at uh, El Sadar. It's it's very much in fashion, the, the dentists in Spain these days, because Cadiz down at Nuevo Mirandilla is another one that's pretty tough place to go these days. And I think the development of Machi's kind of really taken on that role very early on in this season. We saw just how big Teo Bongonda was for them last season because he brought pace, he brought the ability to beat a man, and he brought the ability to score from kind of outside the box or, or kind of tighter angles, and that's something that they didn't have before. So the fact that Machis has come in and hit the, hit the ground running, that could make a huge, huge difference for Cadiz this season. And Villarreal, yeah, when when it works for Setien, it looks fantastic, it looks great, and you think that they can probably beat anyone on their day. But right now, it's working less often, or it's not working as often as it is working. So that was terrible word, wording of that but I think everyone gets the point <laughs> it's <laughs> it like very much Sunday looks night, like really. Villarreal <laughs> yeah 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 um, well they have to come back after the Instasha break and uh, find some form because they're in the bottom half where they do not want to be uh, after the break we'll reflect on the other five games played this weekend and also look back on the European draws which threw up some pretty intriguing groups so stay where you are we'll be back soon Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. En Girona, gol del Girona, gol, 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 de Portu, de cabeza marcado Portu, regresando a Girona, la jugada con el centro de Valeri, desde la línea de fondo atacando por la izquierda, entrega Iván Martín. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown, and it was a very welcome back to Montelivi. For Porto, who signed on deadline day after four years away, and it couldn't have been more of a fairy tale return because after 40 games without a goal for Hetafe, he scored inside 13 minutes of his substitution um, in the game against Las Palmas to give Girona a 1 0 win and move them on to 10 points from 12. Rory, brilliant story with Porto. I know you uh, you had a video of his, his emotional interview after the game. Me acuerdo de mucha gente, ¿no? Eh de mi familia, eh, de mi padre, de, mi, de mis abuelos, eh, que también eh, de mi mujer, de mis hijos, ¿no? que, que también pues me han visto sufrir. ¿no? Eh, es verdad que, que vengo de, de un año y medio bastante duro. And how good are Girona this season? Yeah, they've been fantastic and certainly for my money there's no better team to watch so far through four games. They've been really fun. I think we mentioned Setien there, we mentioned Barcelona earlier. They are the closest team kind of playing to, to playing total football this season so far. I mean, the way that they rotate their positions and kind of building up against Las Palmas, who are a side that do things similarly to them at times as well. Um, they're kind of building up with three and then two, kind of at the back and then two and three sometimes. Alex Garcia dropping in, Miguel Gutierrez and now moving inside. Um, they're playing with such confidence that you get the feeling that any one of their players could be stuck in any kind of position almost and they'd feel pretty comfortable about it. And even Stuani, 36, still going very strong. You look at Porto and you're, you're not necessarily sure 
how kind of much he's going to contribute this season because you look at the options they've got kind of up front Savio has been fantastic so far he looks like he could be a real star he's obviously young will be inconsistent you've got Dovbit coming off the bench you've got Sigankov who I think is kind of going to be one of their main playmakers with Garcia this season um, and then it, Porto does come on gets the goal very late on and, and a deserved win for Girona in my book yeah as for Las Palmas they do a lot of things right but they just they don't have that punch, do they? We said this a couple of weeks ago, I think, and they've only scored the one goal in four games, and that was a penalty. So they're going to need to to score some goals if they want to stay up. Yeah, Pimienta Garcia's face really kind of painted a picture right at the end. I mean, he was kind of looking at it. You could see him kind of like playing with playing with his lips, playing with his chin, and just thinking, "How on earth do I get goals out of this side?" Because as much as they've been kind of academically good, if you look at the way that they build up, the way they get to the box, great. Defending-wise, their high line has held out pretty well. I mean, against Girona, one of the higher-scoring teams in La Liga, they were relatively solid. I mean, they maybe could have gone one or two goals down earlier, had a couple of goals disallowed. But ultimately, unless they can score goals, and sorry, Cabo, with all due respect, had a decent enough game today, but doesn't look like he's going to be a prolific striker for them. There are other options, Marta Cardona, Sandra Ramirez, they're not known for being prolific. So, so yeah, it is a concern, and unless they can sort it out, they're in serious, serious trouble. Indeed, and now the window is shut. They're going to have to wait till January um, to, to get any reinforcements. So, yeah, it could be a bit of a, a dark autumn for the island side. Uh, up north, back in the Basque Country, Alaves, uh, had a, they're going well this season. They've had a really positive start and they beat Valencia 1-0 uh, on Saturday with a, a pretty strange game again. There was an early own goal, some penalty drama, retaken penalties. Mamadash really saved both of them. Um, yeah, Alaves, good start. Yeah, pleasantly surprised by Alaves, I have to say. I think that that intensity we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, I think it was when they, when they beat Sevilla at home, that was back and Kike Garcia missing a couple of penalties against Mamardish Philly and almost manifesting in the own goal through Cenk. I mean, he's uh, maybe not the striker that's uh, prolific, but he does certainly cause bother. Um, and Valencia found themselves at bother, in bother at his hands as well. Um, this match weekend, yeah, I think Alaves, they're again one of those sides that's maybe lacking a little bit of quality in the final third but they're making up for it so far in different ways and that intensity and making sure that they arrive a lot and making sure they get a lot of chances and in making sure they're just individually hard to beat i mean winning battles all over the pitch kind of yeah getting into kind of uh, mano a mano in in some cases is, is benefiting them so far and valencia yeah, similarly, could do with a striker. Um, but, uh. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how they go. They go. Barajas had a decent enough start as well, in my view. Yeah, they, they started off brilliantly with those two wins, but those two defeats since then have, have rather drained some of that optimism away. And with the window shut, with just Yaremchuk arriving on deadline day, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Barajas' tone seems to have already started to turn in terms of the, the press conferences too. So more of the same from Valencia, I think we can expect from now on. Um, let's just hope they can enough results to avoid avoid any relegation trouble because that was not a nice sight to see for for football fans and, and La Liga fans in general. But yeah, as for Alaves, two wins at home, 4-3 over Sevilla and 1-0 over Valencia. Very different scorelines, but the fans won't care about that. On Friday night, the other game that took place, as well as Cadiz beating Villarreal, was Almenia against Delta. And this was a bit of a five-goal thriller because uh, Rafa Benitez got his first win at Delta. 
uh, what was it? Celta were 2 0 up, and then Almeria came roaring back to two apiece, and you thought, oh, they're going to go for it. But then a late winner from Celta uh, was obviously enough for them to take a big away win here. Yeah, we're starting to see more and more of Rafa Benitez kind of stamp on the side. I think this game, in contrast, obviously, to against Real Madrid, but to their previous games as well, they pressed up a little bit higher. They went after Almeria. You saw a lot of kind of Almeria kind of tr- trying to play out of their own third and running into trouble against Celta. Um, they're an imperfect team for my money. They brought in the new striker Duvicas from from uh, the Eredivisie. Can't say I know masses about him, but we will we will be learning about him in the coming weeks. And uh, and yeah, big result as you say for Benitez Almeria. I think the pressure is going to start to come on Vicente Moreno pretty quickly because if you look at the squad, if you look at the investment. They're one of the better teams in La Liga right now on paper. Um, and we know that Almeria aren't necessarily the most patient of clubs. And Vicente Moreno, he's not. He's a good manager. I think he talks well and he generally has his players on side. But in terms of kind of more publicly, he's maybe not the most inspiring and he's not a kind of a Spartacus figure to really get behind. So yeah, mm. Almeria are going to need to start picking up results. And especially at home, because that was their saviour last season. They were the most casero team in the league. But uh, two two defeats from two already to start this season. So, yeah, Almeria looking in uh, in trouble as we head into that international break. But, uh, yeah, good, good start for Rafa there. Three points away from home is uh, very welcome for them. Two more games to mention. Uh, Athletic and Mallorca played out a 0-0 draw on Sunday with... Um, not a tremendous amount to take from that game other than a, a clean sheet for both sides and a, a solid result. Uh, but I think Betis Rayo, that's probably worth talking about a bit more. A free kick winner from William Jose, who's un- come from nowhere. He's got three uh, three goals already this season. And uh, I suppose for Rayo, at least I didn't concede seven. <laughs> yes, uh, it's certainly an upward trend, at least for Francisco. Um, yeah, Betis going pretty well at the start of the season. I mean, Isco perhaps a little bit luckily to win four man of the match awards in a row but he is certainly the vibes, danger man for Betis <laughs> it's called vibes and Betis yeah um, he's, he's been very good and he is the heart of danger for them you look at kind of their most dangerous opportunities that they created in that game and you see Isco in all of those kind of highlights uh, William Jose is kind of getting a bit more of a run than most of us expected he's been pretty heavily linked with a move to, to the Middle East um, I'll, no guesses for, for no prizes for guessing where, um, but yeah, William Jose uh, putting the ball in the top corner from a free kick. It's interesting that uh, he seems to be slightly more favoured than Borja Iglesias, given Pellegrini's comments the other week and saying that he didn't think it was the smartest thing for Iglesias to pull out of Spain selection. You wonder if all is kind of well under the under the hood at Betis with with Iglesias, who of course was there top scorer and uh, and one of their best players last season so yeah ultimately Pellegrini while he's getting results has got kind of the backing and and won't be under pressure for that mm. Betis do look pretty exciting on paper following their transfer window because they can play Guido Rodriguez who they've managed to keep hold of so far of course certain windows still open um, Mark Rocker and then in front of them Fekir when fit Isco and uh, Ez Avde. I mean, this kind of links us back to Barcelona. We saw in Osasuna on Sunday night, three players make their debut, Joao Cancelo, Joao Felix, and Inigo Martinez, all making debuts for Barca. But Ez Avde is the one that's gone away. Uh, Rory, I know you didn't really think there was much logic in this decision. Would you like to, to vent your frustration now? 
<laughs> Just explain my thinking, Matt, is uh, what I'll be doing. <laughs> but look, uh, Joao Felix provided one really good pass in behind for, I think it was Rafinha in that Osasuna game that nearly led to a goal. And it was a beautiful pass. It was a really nice play. But he was late to every single pressure while Barcelona were trying to defend the lead in those kind of closing moments. He went walk about from his position, which was in this initially on the left, unless that was an instruction. And Xavi just didn't think that right back uh, was a position that they needed to defend. I don't know, no say. I mean, I think <laughs> Joao Felix on form, brilliant. We know that he's got the talent, but unless we see that more regularly, unless we see more commitment than we've seen for the last three, four years, then it doesn't make sense for him to be near the starting lineup for Barcelona. Ez Abde, on the other hand, similarly, I don't know if necessarily he would have been in the starting lineup for Barcelona, but he gives you something that the others don't have. Laminia Mal, I don't think you can rely on yet to be a major factor throughout your season. Rafinha struggles to get past his marker. Ferran Torres does a lot of things well, but that isn't one of them. And as Abde gave him a different aspect. You saw that against Hatafe, you saw that he came on first, you saw it against Cadiz as well. Um, he's an inconsistent player Abde as well, but he does have that ability to go past the man and that pace to get him behind. So we'll see how Joao Felix works out. Um, fingers crossed for him that it does. But yeah, as you say, for Betis, brilliant news. And they look, I think mid-July, I would have said that Villarreal had, done, had a really good window. But now I'm looking at it and Betis have a far more firepower, I think, in their locker than Villarreal just now. Indeed, yeah, I think at the start of the season, I was probably thinking one we're going to be better than the other, but now that's already reversed, I think, in my in my head. Interesting fixtures coming up after the international break. Real Madrid host Real Sociedad, while Barcelona host Betis. So that's definitely <laughs> one to watch. Uh, that's on the Saturday after the international break. So Saturday the 16th, do not move from your sofas on that Saturday afternoon, evening. That will be box office. Uh, let's wrap up with a quick review of the European draws. Uh, we found out the fate of seven Spanish clubs, five in the Champions League, two in the Europa. On the whole, Rory, can't really complain about any of them. Maybe Sevilla, a little bit unlucky, but otherwise, really good draws. Yeah, listen, I think all five Spanish teams will be pretty delighted with what they got here um, in the Champions League, at least. I mean, Barcelona, Xavi's complained in the past about his group, so I don't think he'll be doing that this time around. No Bayern. <laughs> No Bayern, which is the big one. I mean, Real Madrid should be pretty comfortably through. I think um, they'll maybe drop one or two results against Napoli, or I quite fancy them to drop points against Union Berlin one of the times. But uh, but yeah, they'll be happy. Sevilla, like you say, Arsenal, PSV, Lons, uh, none of those other two sides, apart from Arsenal, are sides that Sevilla can't beat. So I think it will depend more on how they are than necessarily their, their alternatives. And, and Real Sociedad have got a chance as well. So... Um, so yeah, I think everyone will be happy. Atleti as well should really top their group, but we do know that they like to make it hard for we themselves. We said that last season. <laughs> Surely this season, the form they're in, they're in and the form that Griezmann's in, they can't possibly uh, manage to finish bottom or third this time around. We're clipping that up, listener, and we'll come back <laughs> to that in December. <laughs> yeah, so um, very contented draws. But yeah, as we say, Barca is a kind of different pressure now because while in the past, like, oh, tough group Bayern, Let's see how they do. It's now a case of they have to qualify now, CLC. It's it's almost unnegotiable. They have they have to qualify, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think the draw makes them heavy, heavy favourites. And I think, in a way, it will be good for Barcelona because I think it will ease them into the season a little bit more. Um, I think they'll obviously f- have a focus on the Champions League, but it's not going to end up do or die in kind of October, November, where they're pushing players who maybe aren't quite fit 
to come back as happened last season and that had a major impact on their season so so yeah Xavi if he doesn't get through this group the pressure will be severely on him um, if it doesn't work out indeed yeah and the Madrid press were delighted to see PSG drawn in the group of death alongside Dortmund Milan and Newcastle so uh, not much narrative in there at all is there <laughs> Yeah, no, plenty, plenty to look forward to. Pretty tasty draws there. Um, and just in Europa League, Villarreal, Ren, Maccabi, Haifa, Panathinaikos. I think they'll be reasonably happy with that as well. And Betis, Rangers, Sparta, Prague and Addis Limassol. Um, Rangers, another trip back to Seville a couple of years down the line. Yeah, we've got a bit of a Glasgow doubleheader, Rory, haven't we? Because we've got Atleti against Celtic and Rangers against Betis. Uh, let's finally wrap up then with... The bombshell news. En cuestión de horas, en las últimas horas se han acelerado los contactos, bueno, se han acelerado o prácticamente han nacido los contactos entre el Sevilla y Sergio Ramos y es posible que en las próximas horas eh, Sergio Ramos se convierta en nuevo jugador not... del Sevilla. Sergio Ramos could be back or he is coming back to La Liga to rejoin Sevilla. The news kind of broke on Sunday afternoon. Originally it was thought, nah, this, this can't be right. And then three or four different sources are all reporting the same thing. It's looking like he will be presented on Tuesday and therefore it will be announced probably on Monday. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, I might go and kind of tune into some of the talk show radios in Seville this evening because I think they could be pretty fiery. I mean, <laughs> Andalusians are famously expressive. Um, the kind of most memorable moment of Sergio Ramos and Sevilla in the last 10 years was him getting pelted with abuse and objects, celebrating in the face of Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan, how he patches up relations. We'll see how that goes. From a, a more footballing perspective, I mean, I think it, in a way it could really make sense with Sevilla if things go wrong, then it could be disastrous as well. Ramos is a character, he won't take kindly if things don't go well, but he is a leader. He does have kind of the technical ability. He can pull together a defence. I mean, he's error-prone at times, but looking at Sevilla's other defensive options, so are they, and they don't quite have the quality or the leadership abilities that Ramos does. We'll see just how well he fares at 36-37. I mean, Mendilibar famously likes a high line. How will Ramos kind of be with that? We'll see. But uh, I think it, it has potential to be a good signing. And if it's on kind of really cut price terms, then it makes a lot of sense for Sevilla. I just love to know which is going to come first, the red card or the header winning goal. <laughs> it's, it's, it both will happen. It's just a question of which comes first. But uh, on that note, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. We'd love it if you would subscribe and upgrade to our Substack to get access to all of our content, articles, extra midweek pod, uh, plenty of stuff on there to get stuck into. We'd love it if you if you would do that. If you didn't already, it's just the price of a beer per month. So we think it's good value and we hope that you agree with us. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the international break. We'll still be here as Spain face Cyprus and Georgia in their quest to qualify for 2024 Euros. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, from all of us here, it's uh, thank you for your time and adios. <laughs>